This is the Bob Callan Podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Paul Jones in for Bob. Bob looked pretty good yesterday. Paul, it's on the way back. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna uh, listen, folks. Let's be honest. It is going to take a bit more time, uh, but he's uh, his head's in the right place. He's working hard at it, and uh, let's hope he's back uh, sooner than later. But uh, we'll get another update next Monday. Uh, when Bob comes back to his own show, if the producer lets him. So today uh, we talk. Uh, <laughs> well, the pro- finally, the producer's in charge. It's unbelievable. All these Isn't years, cowan has been around. The producer has never been in charge. Now the producer's in charge, and that's the way it is. Okay. As in the words of Dwayne Casey, be careful when the rabbit gets the gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got to remember that one. Uh, so we are going to talk uh, the beautiful game today, a little soccer. James Sharman will join us to talk about uh, Harry Kane, Lionel Messi, uh, Spain going to the the uh, final game of the Women's World Cup in Australia. A uh, little MLS in there, too. So we're going to talk about soccer with our pal James Sharman, Paul Jones, John Shannon, the McCowan Podcast. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the Bet Rivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back to the McCown Podcast. Paul Jones in for Bob, uh, joined by... Uh... Our regular soccer guy, James Sharman. And before we get into the heavy lifting of talking about what the heck's going on in the the beautiful game, because all the all it's just boatloads of money, just boatloads of money going everywhere. Um, you were in Portugal recently. Well, tell tell us about Portugal. What, yeah, what, I was in Portugal. Everybody's um, going to Portugal. I yeah, tell I you what, I'm I'm going back. It, it's beautiful. I mean, it's my first time there. Um, obviously, I know Europe pretty well, but uh, Portugal, absolutely beautiful place. So we're in Lisbon with uh, Cryer Media, Dean Blundell, uh, shooting uh-huh. content around Benfica, one of the biggest uh, football clubs in, in the world. In fact, the most members globally uh, than any, any sporting club, I believe, in, in the world. And just immersing ourselves in that, in that culture um, just before the season kicks off. So an amazing time. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Learned a lot about Portuguese football and Benfica in particular. And uh, it's just a different way, different... We just they, they just consume sports differently over there. Simple as that, right? And that's not making it wrong or right or better or worse than North America. But they, they genuinely immerse themselves in their club. That is their life. That is their religion. It's from from a, from an early age, right? From an oh, early you're age. Born. Yeah, this generational. Yeah. So the members, there's a quarter of a million members worldwide who have voting rights into electing presidents and, and, and the board. So they've got a say in everything. So you are born into Benfica. And you have no choice in the matter. 
Um, they're the biggest club there. It's, it's an amazing structure. I think 90% fan ownership of that club, mm. wow. which speaks for itself. I guess the closest thing in North America would be uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Green Bay Packers. Right. <laughs> so, I, and and again, before we get down to big business, how's the pie company doing? Because the pie, well, this, is a, this is the this is the Paul. Just so you know, this is the biggest priority of our discussion ever with Charmin. Is how's the pie company? It's doing really well, thanks. In fact, this week we're we're in Loblaws for the first time, so uh, we're we're taking Whoa. strides. Yeah, so we've got to make the pies now. That's the problem. <laughs> Keep up with demand, <laughs> which is a much better problem to have than 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 the other. So uh, uh, no, that my wife Tony is very much uh, driving that and spearheading that right now, and it's it's doing really well. But thanks. And nice. the podcast, uh, sorry, the uh, the website. Yep, that Footy Prime, the podcast. Yep, with Craig Forrest. Jimmy Brennan, Amy Walsh, Canadian football soccer legends, uh, wow. doing doing well as well. We, we're loving that at the moment. So uh, keeping really wait, busy. wait. Forrest is a soccer guy and not a golf guy. Well, he, he tries to slide in <laughs> as much golf as he can. In fairness, ready no, to show on. go by that. You know, I was, I was out in the links <laughs> yesterday. Like this is the pot calling the kettle black, Jones. I know, I know. I needed somebody <laughs> I need somebody I mean... in the boat with me like Forrest. I know, I know. <laughs> Golf's supposed to be secondary, but somehow it just kind of creeps up on the priority list. I don't know how that happens, John, in the good last, weather. The last, last time I saw Jones, James, last time I saw Jones in person, he had the whitest pants on I have ever seen. <laughs> I I could I I couldn't get near a pair of white pants like that for fear of the first spill. I mean, you're a brave I man. Yeah, I'm with you. I can't wear white shirts, let alone white pants, because whether, whether I'm eating mustard or not, there's mustard on that shirt or on those I pants. Am, I am our our good friend Keith Pelly has me watching the the European and the World Tour, and it's one of my favorite pastimes on a Saturday morning. The same way, well, when there's no Premier League, you get up and you you watch the the European Tour golf. And it's like every European tour golf player wears white pants. It looks it looks spectacular. You know, we in North America would look at that and say, ah, oh, that's a little over the top. But maybe I've been hanging out and watching the TV too much. I went out and found myself a pair of white pants. Oh. And it was a, a beautiful day. It was a little chilly. And I thought when I left the house anyway, it was fine when I got it to wasn't... the course. <laughs> yeah. no, no, by the time I got to the course, I didn't need the pants. But I thought... I'm going to try to pull off the white pants. Can't play, so at least try to look good, even if you can't play good. Did it elevate your game? Not at all. <laughs> Not only only in looks, James. Only in looks. I, he, I had look, to jump million, from, he had to jump from the second floor to get into them. Are you kidding me? Million-dollar look, two-dollar game. Well, listen, it's almost Labor Day, right? So get them in while you can. Can't wear white after. Yes. Yes, uh, Jonesy. Yes. At least you didn't have the Lucas Glover look on Sunday. Did, yeah. I yes. Mean, I have. I I felt bad for the guy. I mean, he was great golfer. Lots of FedEx points. Couple of million bucks. But oh man, I mean, it, I don't know if you ever been to Memphis in the summertime. It's stinking hot. It is stinking hot, and the humidity. I mean, I just felt for the guy. I was, I was kind of uh, my my friends in the in the golf TV business. I was crying at price. He'd like just shoot him from the shoulders up. <laughs> well, listen, we, we all have that 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 trouble area when it comes to sweating, right? Don't we? Just un unfortunately for him, it happened to be his ass. 
Well, I, w- I will say this. The, the one bright spot for the guys playing on the, the live tour is the they shorts. can wear shorts, right? Yeah. And I, I know you have to button up and look good, but practicality, let the guys wear shorts when it's no 9,000 yeah. degrees in Memphis. Funny, no. I had that conversation with somebody yesterday. I'm not, I'm such a traditionalist when it comes to attire yes. and, and the demeanor and the protocols of the game of golf. Uh, and I, I think I appreciate shorts. I, I mean, I, I wear shorts, you know, 11 months of the year myself, but um, I'm not ready to watch some of the best. Dustin Johnson walk down the fairway in shorts. I'm not ready for it. You'll I, adjust, I John. It. You'll adjust. Yeah. Yeah. I it's know. Point must have been yesterday. The tipping point must have been this weekend because no one needs to see that. <laughs> no, no. And I felt, you know what? And 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 I, as I said, I was happy for Lucas Glover, but that was that was not the greatest look. So <laughs> he's not caring though. He's got what three point six million reasons. To yeah, he can buy it, new so. pants, John. He, he can <laughs> yeah. buy he can buy a few no, new no, pairs of pants. He, actually, with the way he's playing, got somebody somebody at Adidas or somebody at. Uh, at one of the, one of the clothing companies, uh, he's got a whole new wardrobe today for next weekend. I sweat can guarantee proof. you that. Yeah, with wicking, sweat, sweat with, better, wicking. With, with better better wicking. You know, that's right. Okay, <laughs> let's get down to the let's get down to the brass tacks. Um, uh, while you were in Portugal, I was uh, compiling all my list of uh, questions for you, um, and one of them finally came true. Is Harry Kane finally decided that. Uh, Going to Germany, and by the way, the the British covered Harry Kane's trip to the airport and the flight over, like uh, CTV covered Kawhi's signing. <laughs> so, yeah, Mike um, Babcock signing. Remember that one? Yeah. Oh yeah, with the with the jet. Yeah. So so the the Kane thing. I mean, it went on because you know, somebody knew that they could squeeze another ten million euros out of the out of the Germans. Is that right? Yeah. Listen, Daniel Levy, who's the chairman at Tottenham Hotspur, is uh, uh, an infamous negotiator. No one likes dealing with him. He he'll drag things out and get the the last dollar available, and that's what he did with Harry Kane, um, a superstar, England's captain. He'd been at the club since a boy, nineteen years, had won nothing won nothing. Um, and, and that was the big dilemma, I think, for Harry Kane. He's he's about 40 goals or so behind Alan Shearer's Premier League record for goals scored in the Premier League. Um, he would have beaten that had he stayed in England. So the choice was staying at Tottenham or or moving to another English club, which was, was troublesome, um, and beating that record or making a move. Uh, in this case, to Bayern Munich, where you're guaranteed trophies. They've won the last, I think, 11 straight or, or thereabouts Bundesliga titles you're going to be competing for the Champions League every season so he made the move I think for his legacy to to taste what it's like to be successful on the pitch as a team and win championships he chose that over the the individual merits of becoming the all-time English goal scorer in the Premier League so respect to him for that I suppose he's just turned 30 so that the figure was 100 million or thereabouts which is an enormous amount of money for a player in his 30s in the last year of his deal at Tottenham. So many moving parts to this deal. Um, it, it's sad to see him leave the Premier League, but good for Harry Kane, one of the good guys in sport. You know, a great captain. Um, there's no dirt around Harry Kane, and he's gone for the glory, and I guess he deserves it. James, when I look at the big picture with the money, 
transfer fees, salaries. It's 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 mind-boggling when we when we talk about uh, Mbappe and Mbappe and they said that you would have had to combine the top 17 NBA salaries, LeBron, Durant, the top 17 to get what he was offered. It, 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 you're, just your thoughts on all the money around it right now and the way it's going. Yeah, listen, I mean, it's, it's been out of control for years, right? Um, they've been talking about the bubble being close to bursting for a long time, but it never bursts. And then, <laughs> and, and then Saudi Arabia pop up. And they want to obviously sports washing. They've gone through golf. They're targeting soccer now. They want the World Cup in 2030. So money to them is nothing. They can offer Mbappe, what was it? It was almost a billion, wasn't it? Almost yeah. a billion. Um, just under that, just under that. He, he turned it down. I mean, he's in his prime. This kid is the best player in world football. He can pick and choose where he goes. He wants to play at Real Madrid at, at some point. But the money is astronomical. There's financial fair play, they call it in European football, where, you know, there's and um, you can't spend more than you make essentially to protect clubs for themselves. But clubs find ways around this. Um, Paris Saint-Germain, where Mbappe plays right now, find ways around this, although they are shedding salary this year with Messi going to Inter Miami. Uh, Neymar's now gone to Al-Halal in, in Saudi Arabia. And at some point, Mbappe's leaving as well. But the money's there, I suppose. TV rights are bigger than ever. Um, the, the every game's sold out. Champions League football pulls in hundreds of millions every single year. But you're right. I mean, it's, it makes no sense. It's, it's disgusting. It's vulgar. But they can back it up. But, it, but in reading the Mbappe stuff, it really made it sound like from a club perspective that they needed him to go as much as they want him to play for their team they needed him to go in order to get that cash injection correct yeah yeah exactly i mean the way it's worked with mbappe and, and psg is he, he he renegotiates every year last year he renegotiated after threatening to leave for real madrid put a bid in of around 200 million euros for him last year um that they, oh. they restructured his deal which included part ownership in the club so this is a guy with, with stake in the club now and then fast forward a year, um, he's got a year left on his deal. And he said to them, I'm, I'm not going to resign. So either you, you sell me now or I'm going to walk for free next mm -hmm. next summer. Uh, PSG said, you know, well, you're not going to do that. Um, but at the same time, we want to sell you to who we want to sell you to. You know, we won't be handcuffed into where you want to go. So in the end, they said, listen, we won't play you this year. We'll, we'll make you sit for the entire season. They've come away from that now. And they've said that, no, we're going to renegotiate a deal. And he's got a new deal coming now, apparently, with PSG. But he's still going to Real Madrid at some point, whether it's next year or the year after. It's going to happen. It's the worst-kept secret in world football. Um, but he's the best player in world football. He's the best player. He's 23 years of age. He's a World Cup mm -hmm. winner. Um, he's the most marketable player as well, outside maybe Lionel Messi. So you understand why they want to keep him. But if they are going to lose him, they have to get something for him. They can't let him walk mm -hmm. for free. I know that John wants to, we want to get to Messi in a second, but in, in North American sports, we have this idea of player empowerment in the NBA. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, hockey players, you know, where Patrick Kane uh, waiting, even though there's an injury to, to see where he's going to play. There's a certain empowerment that's been taken away from the owners and the general managers and given to the players. Do you see that still on the uptick with things like this happening in, in, uh, 
in 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 soccer overseas yeah it's funny i think the nba kind of sets a standard there right with this you right. know the, um, except for the moment. teams i want to go to this team with my mate and win championships right we've seen james harden yesterday you know attack his his chairman essentially right publicly in china um mm -hmm. and then you, you compare that to mbappe in 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 france and it's kind of similar right he's called out that team and that ownership group publicly saying i i, I want to do this and they won't let me um so i think you are seeing it more now players always have power in in, in soccer in that when a player's transferred to a different club and the clubs agree a fee um they must then agree a personal terms with the player so say say for example harry kane wanted to go to manchester united um but the deal was struck with bayern munich kane could still block that and say, no, I won't negotiate personal terms. So really the players always had the power in soccer. And bear in mind, they only had free agency in, from 1995, I think it was, the Bosman ruling. Prior to that, you had a deal with a soccer club in Europe. They owned your rights forever until you moved. Mm -hmm. There was no free agency. That only began in 1995. So it's been kind of slow catch up since then. But yeah, right now it's getting more and more to the NBA model where the player wants out, he'll move. We saw Moises Casado of Brighton, a small club in England, but a really ambitious club, a good club. This guy's been wanting to move to Chelsea for the last year. Um, and he forced a move in the end. And they agreed a fee of £111 million for him, just a transfer fee plus salary. And and Brighton had no choice because Cassetta goes, well, I'm not going to re-sign with you, so you better sell me and, and I'll go where I want to go. Happens all the time, the haves and the have-nots. It, it, it's hard to... like We, we get so... I guess collared into figuring out how things in North America work between collective bargaining agreements and players unions and team ownership in the in the in the big four, maybe even the big five if you want to include the MLS. Um, uh, but there's no players union in soccer in Europe, is there? I mean, there, well, there, 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 yeah, there are associations, but not the same powers over, over here in North America, for sure. There's no, no it, it, they don't seem to need the power. The players seem to be doing okay. Yeah, they're yeah. okay. Exactly. They don't need any collective bargaining. <laughs> the, the clubs need the, the help there, I think, for, for that reason, right? And the salaries go up and, and it's tough to argue, right? Because the, the TV rights go up and up and up every single year, astronomical amounts of money, especially for the Premier League. And that's really where it's, it's changing, right? The Premier League is far and away the biggest league in the world now. Um, it's, it's pulled away from, from Italian Serie A, La Liga, Bundesliga, you know. And why is that? Yeah. Why is that? You know, um, well, listen, they, they rebranded in 1992, right? From the old first division, they separated themselves from um, the football league, basically to yeah. accommodate satellite television. Sky Sports was born sure. then. Sky this is Sports, Rupert, Murdoch, Rupert yeah. Murdoch basically reinvented British football. Yeah, 100%. 1992, it all changed. And you speak to Craig Forrest, I mate, you know, he was there right in that, that, that time and how life changed the minute that deal was signed. So it's very separate, run like a business. It's not part of the football league. The FA have some jurisdiction on, on the laws and the rules, but as far as the business model, the Premier League sits alone and negotiates by itself with, with TV companies. And then slowly but surely, you bring all the, the best players in, the best coaches mm. follow, and before you know it, you have this enormous global brand. Do you see but, some of the other leagues trying to recoup some of that, James, or trying to at least work off that model at a, in, a, in a smaller sense and trying to uh, I, I gain some ground on the Premier League, or, or are they just resigned to the fact that, hey, we're small potatoes? Well, they're resigned to it, and that's why the um, 
the Super League was was pitched, right, by Real Madrid right. and Inter Milan and Juventus, of which some English clubs were going to jump aboard as well. They're trying to find ways while UEFA are always fighting for the Champions League to be the big money money pot, which it is in, in global football. But it's difficult. I mean, look in Spain, right? Spain is still run by two clubs, Barcelona and Real Madrid. They have all the power, more power in fact than, than the league in many ways. So it's difficult to break away there. Uh, Germany, you have the, uh, I think the 51-49 rule, you know, fan ownership. You can't get benefactors just coming in and, and buying clubs like we see in England. Mm-hmm. Oil states buying clubs and just pouring money into the game that way. It's just different. Um, I, I don't know if other nations will catch up. A Super League's probably inevitable at some point because greed always you know, wins out in the end. Yeah. But certainly in the short term, that's been pushed away for a while. But when you consider what UEFA is, when you consider what Champions League does, I mean, but this goes to something you talked about earlier: is, is how much money is there? What is how how many more games can you play? Well, that's you know, thing, I mean, right? we this, so that it's yeah. it's I mean, I mean, a couple of uh, of teams play uh, over here on on their tours um and uh basically recognize not one player they were wearing this they were wearing the jersey but they weren't necessarily there it's their preseason, <laughs> right it's their pre they could have loved some young players yeah i mean i don't know what the answer there is quite honestly i mean where does it end um there's there's so much money still to be made that's why they have you know conference league was invented two years ago so perhaps the upper echelon european teams aren't playing in you know the champions league but you're you're right Overall, you get more money coming in and being poured in there. Um, it's never going to end. North American tours, Asian tours happening every single year. Too many games. I mean, can we all agree there's just too much sport overall? Yeah. We're sports guys. <laughs> be it NBA, be it NHL, baseball in particular. Well, so don't get don't get Jonesy much. involved. NBA's, NBA's going to the – NBA is going to have a season within a season coming up. Yeah, yeah tournament a tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, I mean, the NBA issue is – Guys are sitting games out. Uh, well, you know, load management. Load I, management. I, I need rest. And now you're going to put a tournament in. Well, the tournament's been incorporated into regular season games, but there's money involved. And I, I you know, every uh, you said it a minute ago, James, the almighty dollar. And, and that's what it is. More, more, more. And I just think at some point, as you were saying, there's almost too much. Don't you have to be careful that you don't kill the golden goose? Well, it's a great point. I mean, MLS, for example, have just shut down for a month to play this League's Cup tournament, a knockout yeah, tournament yeah. with the Liga MX teams. They've, they've shut down the league for a month to play this in-season, much like the NBA. Well, look right? at it this way. Yeah. TFC can't lose. Yeah, that, you know what? They haven't lost for a couple of weeks, which is... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So um, I, I, I want I want to... The messy conversation is all part of that. That that league thing, uh, and we'll talk that in a second. But I just I want, you know, we and we've kind of been enamored with what Ryan Reynolds has done in Wrexham, um, and uh, before that, uh, and if if anybody during the pandemic, I fell in love with Sunderland, uh, mm-hmm. with the documentary series, so, yeah, fantastic uh, documentary. That that was that to me was uh, I know that the people in F one talked about the. Uh, uh, the, the doc series that was around the F1 uh, drivers, but the Sunderland documentary series to me was absolutely electric. Um, so raw, but how right? does Sun? Well, and I mean, here's a team that was in the 
you know, was at the top of the table yep. and has, you know, fallen precipitously over the last five or six years. And I mean, I don't, know, I don't even know where they are now, but, but how does a team like Sunderland make money? Well, I mean, they're, they're a big club, big fan base, gate receipts, right? But you want to fill that stadium, you got to play good teams, which means you've got to be in higher leagues, right? right. They, they just missed out on promotion last year. But let's be honest, that documentary succeeded because they were awful. And the, the, the tragedy was what attracted the audience, I think. Um, you know, <laughs> Drive to Survive is great, but I don't care about seeing Max Verstappen or, or Lewis Hamilton. I want to see the, the teams at the bottom struggling. That's where the theater is. And that's what yeah. Sunderland Till I Die provided. You know, Wrexham is a bit different because... Who the hell was well, Rex? No one knew even what they were, right? And this is a mm. weird thing. Um, great success. But I mean, I, I don't want to see a documentary on Man City or Barcelona. I want to see it on, on West Bromwich Albion or someone, right? Because that's where the fun is for us. Well, you know, well the, the, thing about the, the thing about a documentary about a big club is that you know it would be really, you know, bland. Because yeah. they're not giving away secrets. They, they are so, they're so protected. I mean... I remember when we were launching Leafs and, and Raptors TV in the early 2000s, studying what Manchester United was doing with Red Devils TV and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. I mean, very antiseptic, very, yeah. you know, and, and I, I don't, I, I, yeah. And I don't, I don't think that would, I don't think that would wash anymore. I really don't. Yeah, you know, I, I noticed this with Premier League television, Premier League productions, they've changed a little bit because at first they were the same way. that You never see anything critical on that channel because it was owned by the, the clubs. Right. But now it's got a lot more critical. You know, if teams play badly, they'll, they'll call them out. They, they've kind of learned that. I think it's important, you know, when a, when a team or a league-owned network is authentic and real because fans can see right through it, you know? Um, I, I think, you know, back to the F1, I found it really interesting. The first season when Mercedes was dominating with Lewis Hamilton, they were barely in the show. They had no interest right. in being in the show, but by season two, they realized, oh, <laughs> we should make ourselves a bit more visible here because it's really successful, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I, I love documentary TV, sports TV. I love it, but there's not enough good, good out there. Will we ever see any of that happen with MLS? And... Oh, yeah. You know, I just think about the whole messy thing and how it went down and 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 what it's done, how it's changed. I I, I look at um, and I've got lots of soccer fans, people that are, are crazy about it. And in the States, they can't get tickets like on mm -hmm. on StubHub. The tickets have gone up four and a half times. A twenty five dollar ticket is now one hundred and twenty five dollars. Well, it's not you Taylor know, Swift. So. Well, yeah, but it, it, it might as well be if all you can spend is 25 and now it's 125 or, yeah, or you know, uh, like vivid seats, like, you know, tickets that are a hundred bucks or whatever, they're, they're, they're going up to over a thousand just because he's shown up. And the, the, again, here we go, James, back to the almighty dollar. Yep. Well, listen, Apple, you know, they brought him over. They announced today, actually, I saw today, or was it yesterday? Um, they are producing a fly in the wall documentary following the, the messy phenomena and him arriving the first year with his family and acclimatized into to a new country so of course they're all over that but i mean that that's modern you know what what's fascinating with that deal <laughs> everything you know the the subscriptions the apple deal yada yada they're sponsored it's not been announced it's very cynical this but there's a belief they're sponsoring his goal celebrations now Marvel just signed a deal with MLS back earlier this year. <laughs> Marvel movies. And now you're seeing him scoring goals and he's doing the, the Thor 
celebration. He did a Spider-Man one last match. There was something else as well. So people are thinking that Marvel's involved now. They're throwing money at when he scores goals, he celebrates a certain way. That's that's next level. <laughs> it's changed. I, I tell you what, we're <laughs> going to talk more about Messi and his impact on uh, on North American soccer. If there, in fact, is an impact, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Women's World Cup that uh, we're down to three now with Spain advancing to the final and uh, Australia and Great Britain playing, which I, if you're the Aussies, what a great matchup that will be for for their program. Uh, we're with James Sharman, Paul Jones, and Shannon here on the McCowan Podcast. Back after this, James Sharman with uh, Paul Jones and me today on the McCowan Podcast. James, I'm old enough to uh, well, I, heck, I I produced five or six years of the North American Soccer League, um, and uh, spent a lot of time around Cosmo. Uh, spent a lot of time in California, and we saw great European players come over and make big money then which was really big money when you think about what where north american sports were but franz beckenbauer johan cruyff all these guys um and they in the end they didn't have any impact on the game and and growing the game in north america all right i don't think they did i you you might want to correct me so we we saw david beckham come to mls now he's an owner um Lionel Messi is here now there are others going to be coming guaranteed but this is just a retirement program isn't it yeah I mean I think it's changing somewhat I mean you're right most of these superstars come at the end of their careers they're not coming in their prime the minute they start signing superstars in their prime that's going to be the the tipping point really but Messi's still a World Cup winner recently mm-hmm. He's still very, very good. You know, one of the best players in world football. Um, I, I think you're seeing the whole designated player model now. That the DP model is essentially you can. It's like a franchise tag, basically, right? You get a player beyond the cap, except for a certain amount of money. Um, you are seeing younger DPs from other parts of the world coming in, lesser known players, um, which which have worked to some degree. But Messi's a different beast entirely mm-hmm. he, he might be the, the the key to that lock which will encourage other players younger players to come over um you know don garber the commissioner is very very ambitious he, he wants it to be a top top league you know within 10 years but i've been hearing that for a long time more than 10 years now it's it's making progress certainly but i think messi is just that that they've never seen anything like messi before even when pele came to the nesl john i mean right. different era in sports right obviously the world was much bigger then you couldn't see these players so these these mystical beasts arrived you didn't know who they were messi was everyone knows who messi is they've seen him play for the last 20 years at barcelona and psg because it's so available um right but when, when pele came he also came out of retirement too he wasn't much older people forget that he hadn't been playing for a, for a while they convinced him to come back out of retirement and join the cosmos Messi's, like I said, coming up a World Cup win. Um, and, and he's here to dominate, and he's doing just that. Um, it's just a different beast, I think. You've never seen anything now, like that. Now, you talked about this um, window of of no MLS games. Uh, Inter-Miami, uh, <laughs> let's face it, they're a, they were a bad MLS team. I mean, the they worst. were one of the worst. I mean, thank God for TFC. Than- they weren't quite the worst. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, but and so they've, they've they've created this second tier of league league play for them. So now that they're now that the top of the table there, 
Well, you look at the, the books, the odds are incredible. So this is, Inter Miami have been arguably the worst team in MLS for the last couple of years. This year, they were just dreadful. Um, and then they signed Messi and his mate, Sergio Busquets, just in time for this League's Cup tournament. Um, last time I looked, they were, I think, third favorites to win it. I know, sorry, they were favorites to win it, sorry, at this point. They're favorites to win the entire thing. For MLS alone, with their 12 points back of a playoff spot, they are, I believe, fourth or fifth favorites to win the thing now, all because of Leo Messi and Sergio Busquets coming aboard. They have, they've turned this team around. They really mm -hmm. have. In a sport where it's very rare that one player can really you know, turn a team around, um, he's done just that. Now, Busquets is big, Jordi Alba, but the whole team's elevated themselves. They're playing a different type of football with a new manager. Um, it's inc I've never seen a turnaround like it in, in all the years I've watched soccer so quickly. Um, it's it's quite the story. It's incredible, and and it's a fairy tale at this point. Uh, James, I, I just look at the goal scoring uh, from Messi. I mean, it's taken people seasons, you know, twenty, thirty games to score six or seven goals, and here he rattles off seven in like you know four or five games, kind of thing. What, what does that say? What, what do some of the people overseas think? when they see him come to this league and do that? I mean, there's got to be some kind of a, you know, John, you were around hockey in the expansion. Well, he's going to the WHA and sure, he's scoring all these goals, but he'd never do that in the NHL. I mean, what they've got to have some sort of feelings about him coming to the MLS. Oh, I think it just it just justifies the the stigma against it, right? I think people did look at it as a lower league, not the same quality as the elite leagues. And that's just, proving it you know okay it is leo messi but it's also leo messi in his mid-30s so it just justifies the uh that that stigmatized approach to mls football that yeah it's not quite there just yet you know you watch those games messi's one thing yeah but i love watching sergio Busquets, right who's a midfielder because he, he's used to playing in the top leagues in world football and, and you watch him in mls he gets the ball in his foot and he, he's waiting for the pressure and it just doesn't come and he's almost mm. laughing out there, like, what, what, what do I do with the ball now? I've got so much time and space in the <laughs> ball. It's it's quite hilarious actually to watch, especially his first game. That first game was crazy. He didn't he didn't know what was going on. So you know, it, it's it's a growing league, it's a developing league. I, I really believe in MLS, but it just isn't close to the elite leagues. And this is proving it at this point for sure. Well, but but Messi actually turned down more money elsewhere. To, to go to MLS. Saudi Arabia, he? yeah. I mean, listen, the Mbappe yeah. deal was Messi's deal, right? He was offered the same money. And uh, obviously, Ronaldo, his arch rival, left a, a year earlier, went to, to Saudi Arabia. Um, now, this is let's not say that, you know, Leo Messi's got this conscience and is this ethical mon monster. Um, you know, he, he's been representing Qatar, who owned PSG for a long time. He had a deal in place to promote Saudi tourism for a long time. He goes mm -hmm. where the money is. But I sure. think he probably looked at it as long term. There's maybe more money in in MLS and, and and capturing North America than it is going to Saudi Arabia. You know, like the Beatles, right? They they, they weren't really legit until they made America. Maybe he thinks the same thing. This is a guy that's got a legacy. He's going to play here for a couple of years. He might get ownership. He might buy a club at some point. Apple's all over him. Adidas all over him. There's a lot of money coming into Leo Messi right now. No, uh, listen. I think he just wanted to go to a Publix grocery store. <laughs> uh, I, you know that that's basic i think you can and i i mean that to me now it, it now it makes sense to me when you told us that they're doing this documentary on his life you had to have one of the greatest athletes 
in the world today go to the grocery store yeah you, you, you <laughs> when do you right? think the last when do you think the last time in france or in spain or yeah. anywhere in the world Lionel messi was in a grocery store the, la the last the last time he went to a grocery store when was when he was 11 years old and his mother sent him that's yeah, the last probably. time he went to a grocery store. And we're all, I mean, we're all so cynical, but yes, you're hundred percent right. Here, here's the here's the other thing, James. I, the guy who's attracted him in David Beckham is no small potatoes either. So there had to be, there had to be something out of that from Messi's point of view, saying, "Well, you know, this is this is David Beckham calling." Uh, money aside, a respect. You know, they always say game recognizes game. And and there had to be a respect factor there in that as well, don't you think? Oh, I think it's a great point. Yeah, I think when when Beckham calls, you listen, right? Um, obviously a great player, but also off the pitch, even more successful. And what he's done, you know, part of his deal back in two thousand and seven was was to get this this franchise of his choosing at some point for I think around twenty million. Now now a franchise is worth four hundred million. That's yeah. what it takes wow. to get a franchise fee in MLS. So he got a he got a great deal, obviously. Uh, and and he's just, he's, you know, Beckham gets criticized because he had the squeaky voice when he's younger, right? And all this, you know, he's just a kid from London, you know, not educated. He's a lot smarter than people think. And he's got very smart people around him. And, and as has Messi. Um, so I, I think when Beckham calls, Messi listens. He, he sees what Beckham's done with his brand in North America and how it's still, even now, post playing career, everyone knows who David Beckham is. He's still very yeah. visible. I think Messi sees that. And Messi's a bit of a reluctant hero too right i mean he's not a guy that really loves the spotlight as far as the cameras he's not gonna go out there and you know middle of a pitch and start talking to the fans you know and he's just not who he is he lets his football do the talking so he better build his brand now while he's playing for when he retires because uh, a bit like beckham perhaps he wasn't that comfortable at first no you know, but but the one thing is the one thing is though that david beckham spoke english and and that uh, when you just to be able to do those damn Lay's commercials with Peyton Manning. You have to be able to speak. And now I, I don't know this. I've, I've heard Messi speak uh, his native tongue, but does he speak any English? No, I don't think so. No. Mm. I mean, I think he said a few words in his, when he, the great unveiling of a month ago. Great. He may have yeah. said a few words, but very few. Yeah. Sergio Busquets spoke beautiful English. He, he did that, but uh, not Messi. Messi talks with his feet. He really is one of those athletes. You know, it's not about the show around him. Like Ronaldo, obviously one of the best ever, but there's always always a show around Ronaldo. With Messi, there really hasn't been that show. It's always been about what he's doing on the pitch. MLS better than the Saudi league? Yeah, at the moment. Although the amount of players they're signing right now could change pretty soon. Um, I mean, I, I say that I hope it is. You know, I'm not oh. watching the Saudi league right now. I find it pretty vulgar. Although I'm open to any kind of offer from there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, no, I, I think MS has been more established longer at this level anyway. So it, it's still got it, but there will be at some point, there's going to be a mashup, right? There's going to be a tournament at some point. There has to be between these two leagues. James, you talked about Messi coming over at this point, and now some of the um, younger players, more, more in, in their prime or closer to their prime, coming over to MLS. Do you think? The fact that somebody like Messi has come over and done that might influence some of these younger players. I, I mean, even for a little bit, they might go back. But is it is it a possibility now for some of them? 
I, I think it legitimizes the league far more, absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't want to play against Leo Messi? A lot of these kids would. I, I think, though, more so you're seeing more players making moves to Europe now for big money from MLS. That's really changing things. Um, you're seeing a player like uh, Almiron, who plays at Newcastle right now. He, yeah. he moved from Atlanta, doing really, really well and, and making his name mm -hmm. now in Europe. But MLS was that stepping stone. I think you're seeing that more, more, more. Well, now. Alfonso was at the top of that list. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Right. A guy that started here. Um, but I think you can see some players in Europe or in South America seeing MLS as that stepping stone to get to a big league in Europe as well. Mm. Um, as well as obviously developing their own talent like Alfonso Davis, who's, you know, the the poster boy for Major League Soccer and Major League Soccer clubs. That's what they want. They want to see these kids, um, you know, learn their trade, um, develop and then get the big move to help sustain the current club. All right. Women's World Cup. In New Zealand and Australia is uh, coming uh, close to an end. Uh, Spain has advanced to the final. How curious when you were in Portugal? How, how much attention was the Women's World Cup getting? Not a ton. I mean, Portugal was their first time in the World Cup, um, right? And and they did, did pretty well. I mean, they crashed out in the group phase, but they did pretty well. Um, didn't see too much about it. It's it's funny. I think it's still. I, I, my I've got family in Australia. Uh, so my sister lives in Sydney. She knows all about it. So, you know, she's been cheering England and Australia and they're playing each other. And then my, my brother-in-law and his family live in Australia in the north. They didn't even know what was going on. They were over here wow. just last month. And I said, oh, yeah, we were watching Canada play uh, one of their games. And they're saying, what's this? I said, yeah, it's just the Women's World Cup. Oh, yeah, well, where is it? Uh, Melbourne like oh there's a they had no idea I couldn't believe it I mean are they living in a hole quite possibly actually but um it, it, it's it stunned me right so um it's getting some some play obviously around the world it's it's been a fantastic tournament women's yeah. soccer's going I mean, a, a long way it's in a good place right now but the whole world hasn't embraced it just yet certainly I, I look at the Americans bowing out early is that I, I mean, I, it's got to be good from a competitive standpoint that these other countries have improved. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, when the stars are out, does that yeah. do you think it hurt? How much do you think it hurts it, James? Well, I think there's still stars there. Right. And the fact that the home nation straight has got to the semifinals really helps it as well right. um, yeah. because of the just the time zone. Right. It's not great. Let's be honest for unless you're in Australasia or Asia, it's, it's, it's not great. Um, I, I think the state's losing is, is good for the game overall. We're seeing a brand new champion being crowned no matter who wins it, right? The mm. world's getting much bigger for women's soccer as opposed to being so small for so long where Canada did really well, where the US dominated. So we're seeing a slight change there perhaps as the big nations, soccer nations, begin to actually invest in women's soccer and take it seriously. That's a good thing. I also think that the states, they could have won that game as well. They could have won the World Cup. They were good enough. It's not like there's a big, big drop-off now and there should be a big post-mortem of U.S. women's soccer. They're still producing lots of good players. Uh, how, how much did the inexperience hurt them, James? Because they had a lot of players that this was their first literally yeah. kick at the cup. Yeah, I'm sure quite a bit. I mean, there were some some big injuries, but every team's got injuries this year, you know, especially to knee injuries, actually. Women's soccer is a huge problem right now. Um, which is being you know, investigated why that's the case. But yeah, it was it was certainly the, the, the manager has been criticized. Former players have been very vocal about how, how they feel. But like I said, if you watch that when they crashed out, they actually played pretty well. They could have won that mm -hmm. game and who knows what would have happened. But overall, we, we, we saw last year at Euros, England winning Euros, which I thought was mm -hmm. a big moment for women's soccer globally yes. because women, um, England, love them or hate them, they kind of do 
they dictate the narrative in, in world soccer, right? With the media and how it is. And uh, with the women winning, they became such a huge story. If they do it at the world level, which is possible, um, that's going to be another a, a great story and a big step up, I think, for women's soccer globally. Well, I think we're expecting a changing of the guard in the United States a little bit, uh, a transformational time with the veteran players retiring. And I think we're going to see the same thing in our country. Sophie Schmidt's not coming back. Uh, uh, Christine Sinclair has not indicated, but, uh, you know, four years is a long time. You know, she's not Chris Chelios and no. play at the age of 45. Um, right. You know, so it, it, we're... We're at a crossroads, I think, in our own country when it comes to the women's game, and something has to improve. And and your old buddy DeVos has a, he's got a tough job oh. in trying to uh, to reclaim some stature of of soccer Canada. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's an absolute disaster right now. You know, a year ago we're just celebrating this this new beginning for Canadian soccer. Everything's great. Men qualify for a World Cup. Women are strong, and then fast forward a year, and it's an embarrassment. Uh, there's just no money, hasn't come in, right? And the players want their their cut, which the association can't afford to pay them. It's that simple. At the same time, in the women's side, you've got this transitional period. Um, you know, Christian Sinclair, you know, maybe the greatest athlete this country's ever produced um, at 40 can't be relied upon at that level anymore. Maybe it's time for her to retire. Um, is Beth Priestman going to stay with the team? There's rumors today about John Herbman talking to Toronto FC about the head coaching job. You know, a lot could change before 2026 when we have this great party and this great World Cup in this part of the world, which is going to be fantastic. But right now, it's like, I don't know. I've covered this game for too many years, banging my head against the wall, trying to get some, you know, positive coverage. And just when you think you got it, this crap happens. And it's, wow. uh, it's, it's extremely frustrating. Yeah, it's funny. Herd, Herdman's profile has been really low in the last you know 12 months you know what whether, yeah. whether it was whether it was him trying to find a new job or the state of soccer in our country or maybe newcastle didn't call you know yeah well i think you know it wasn't a great <laughs> world cup right <laughs> it wasn't a great right. world cup that's right Canada, right from a coaching standpoint he'll admit that um yeah. so yeah he's not he's not one, quite one press conference man one press one conference. conference yeah i know yeah. i know yeah. exactly yeah. but listen croatia was going to be Canada anyway <laughs> Yeah. people just say yeah. that that was a reason but yeah listen there's a lot of change between now and 2026 and you know you hope that john herbert stays in charge and he's the right guy for the job but if a professional club come knocking like trying to fc it's got to be tempting uh, change in pressure james you know it's a lot of change between now and 26 and a lot of pressure i think a lot of pressure too especially in light of what's happened 100 you know? yeah and with the 48 team world cup they'll be in a group with two, with two other teams People expect that team to get out of that group. But, uh, you know, coming off a bad Gold Cup where they weren't particularly great, um, a Nations League final where they, they succumbed to the States, played really poorly. Um, and just behind the scenes, there's so many problems, right, you know, in these yeah. these negotiations. Well, I, well, listen, the guys that uh, run the marketing side are friends of mine, and you got to hope that uh, in some sort of way they come to their senses too to try to find a way to create a compromise that, Gets the money back into the into the shoes of the players and yeah and uh, and keeps the game games growing, James. That's that's going to yeah, be yeah you're, you're, you're bang on. Yeah, I mean, listen, there was just I don't think there's much foresight when that CSB deal was signed. Um, at the time, it made complete sense for Canada. Oh, sure, no yeah. money. there was no money. But, you know, they were going to guarantee money. them a lot of money early. Yeah. You know, yeah, it made sense it, then. It, it was I, a good business decision. It was. Yeah, it was. So, I didn't yeah. hear too many detractors when when it was first yeah, signed, right. but. 
did they not look at the talent coming through and the potential of a an aging CONCACAF and the potential of a World Cup berth? Did they not see that? They didn't, obviously. And nope. well, nobody now. ever saw a guy. Nobody ever saw guys jumping into snowbanks in Edmonton ever. So that's <laughs> exactly. Hey, okay. So let's say uh, your website for your pies. Got to get that website of your pie. What's that? Yep, that's shamansproper.ca. Shamansproper.ca. Shaman's we, uh, we deliver um, to your house, and yeah, like I said you can find. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> exactly. That is scary. It's almost pie season too, one. right? It's almost pie season. Hey, trust me. Come trust to me. my front door. That's scary. Hey, Jonesy, trust me. They are really good. They are really good. James, thanks for this, man. Thank you, guys. Really enjoyed this. Anytime. Happy to join on. Thanks, James. James Sharman with Paul Jones and me today on the podcast. Back after this. Thanks to James Sharman for joining us. You know, Paul, uh, we, we, we sit here on this side of the pond and marvel at the money that is in the nba this year i mean the nba and what the nfl the money they're spending i mean justin herbert's now uh, gonna make a hundred million dollars a hundred million dollars in the next calendar year for the for the los angeles chargers but the money in 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 football in european football is staggering compared to what we normally see in north america it is staggering yeah it's amazing yeah. And it keeps going, as James said. Like, how does it, how how does it, at what point is it going to stop? And it just seems like it it becomes more and more and people pay more and players are making more. And, and it just, you wonder when it's going to hit the ceiling, John. And I I don't know. They just keep moving the ceiling. Yes. Yesterday on the show, we were, we had Doug Smith on. We ended up talking a little bit about James, uh, James, James Sherman. I don't think he can play point guard. James Harden. Um, uh, and what was going on in Philly. And in the last 24 hours, he's called Daryl Morey a liar. And, uh, he's mad and he, you don't know what's going on, even though he's under contract for $36 million for the 76ers. What do you think the next step for, for that the club is? What do you think the next step for, for Harden is? I, I don't know how he goes back to that locker room, John. I don't know how he goes back to that locker room, that organization. Um, but it's a matter of, I think it's a matter of not if, but when he gets moved. And, you know, there are uh, theories out there that this is him pushing the envelope to get himself moved, as we talked about with Doug yesterday, to the Clippers, a place where, uh, you know, maybe he realizes he's not the MVP, not the same player. He's in his 30s and he needs help. He still wants to win. Let's face it, he loves to play ball. Uh, but I also think that he loves to be paid for playing ball. Uh, other hypotheses that there was last year when he took a bit of, as you would say, John, I love this line. You were the first one I hear say when he took a bit of a haircut, he, he trimmed the beard a little bit on his, on yeah. his money, thinking that he was going to get a better deal this year and it didn't come up. Uh, now he's upset, but I, I just don't know how he goes back to that, that locker room. And Nick nurse has just landed himself in something really sticky right now. Uh, with you know the the president being called a liar, and your star player and your your president at odds, and you've got to try and coach this guy if he comes back. I I don't know how you do that, and I I don't see him lasting in Philadelphia. And the worst thing is, John, for James Harden, he's never even made it to the finals. He's put up all these great numbers. He's been MVP, 
But at, in the end, you know, we judge you by winning and the ultimate winning has not happened for him. Well, and, and, and let's face it. There are so many players coming out of college. There are so many players coming out of different countries that, that play a different game than Harden. Um, and they're they're not making near the amount of money that Harden wants to make. The changing of the guard in the NBA is quick and remarkable, and yeah. that to me, I think, and and you know, I I look at Harden's trying to hold on and saying, James, you're just not that good anymore. Right. Right. And right. and then and then okay, if you become a sixth or a seventh guy, and I'm not suggesting he would be. You can't pay somebody that much money not to play more. You have to play 40 minutes to justify $36 million as far as I'm concerned, right? And his style of play too, John. And as, as you know, you're, you're a guy that's watched sports for a long time. As much as you think that there'll never be another or this is it, you know, what the game just keeps going. Game just keeps going. Absolutely. And you know what? The podcast keeps going too. We'll have another show tomorrow. For Paul Jones, John Shannon, the McCowan Podcast. Have a great day.